and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I am David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yeah. How you doing? Uh, uh, honestly, I'm having like a weird allergy thing that I don't understand oh. where it's coming from. Like as of right now or in general? It started during, we recorded the movie journal just now and it started, I'm like wheezing a little bit. Oh, I'm sorry. Not sure what, what, uh, what happened there. So let's see, uh, let's see if I make it through this episode without passing out. But, Again. um, what's it? Uh, I don't know what thing. Thing. Don't you worry about that. Okay. Uh, didn't oh. hear what you said, so, uh, I won't worry about it. Okay. Um, but you know what else I'm feeling? I'm feeling sad. I'm, well, I'm feeling great to be listening to music and, and to your voice on my tweakedaudio.com earbuds. Uh, they're available at a low, low price at tweakedaudio.com. Let's see. What, what am I saying? I'm backing up. Uh, I want to tell you about tweakedaudio.com earbuds. They're professional quality earbuds. They come in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors. Tyler and I use them each every day. I'm very sad is what I was trying to get to because going back to what I used to do, which was always to use this segment to pay respect to someone from the music world who had passed away recently. Uh, RIP to the great Biz Marquee, uh, who, who, who passed away uh, at the age of uh, the young age of 57. Um, just a few days ago, I've been listening to a lot of Biz Marquee uh, today. Uh, Biz is going off, make the music with your mouth, all the, all the, and of course, just a friend, all that stuff sounds great on my tweakedaudio.com earbuds. Um, they're available at a low, low price at tweakedaudio.com. But if you use the uh, offer code pretension at checkout, you get one third off that low, low price and no shipping charges. So RIP Bismarcky, and please go to tweakedaudio.com and use the offer code pretension. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Tyler? Yeah. Let's get into it, shall we? Okay. We, uh, we're doing a topical episode, although the way that like things work in the film Twitter world, everyone has already forgotten about this. Oh my, yes. <laughs> and, it, and especially since we're recording it, like it'll be another three days before it even posts. People will be like, what? The, well, I forgot about the Cannes Film. What is, Cannes, what is the Cannes Film Festival? Are, everyone involved gonna... is long since dead. Why are you ta- <laughs> guys talking about this? Um, we'll make this topic hot, guys. Yeah. But, uh, but I didn't just want to talk. I just wanted to use the uh, film Twitter kerfluffle from a few days ago uh, as sort of a springboard. But um, someone, uh, a, a critic that uh, Aaron knows uh, fairly well that I have been on Aaron's podcast with multiple times, including this past February, uh, a, a critic who seems to every couple of years go, I don't I haven't been there owned for a bad take recently <laughs> um we can i'll i'll i'll, I'll name him. he's uh, alex billington he's I, i've i've enjoyed talking movies with him uh in the past but sometimes he does go off uh and uh he tweeted an, an opinion um uh, uh about how pre-festival screenings in other cities than where the festival is um don't count him he feels like they take away from the festival experience it's something you should have to 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 earn and then he went on to like i think i i feel like he wouldn't have gotten roasted as hard as he did if he didn't go on to compare going to a film festival to climbing mount everest and seeing a movie at a pre-festival screening as looking at a picture of mount everest <laughs> i feel like that's really where he got he got owned but um i sort of wanted to use this to to uh to to talk in larger part about the increasing ability to cover festivals remotely and then step, you know, uh, zoom out even further from that and talk about issues of uh, accessibility and, and, and gatekeeping in the sort of film release structure uh, uh, of the world and the, and the festival world. So um, I wanted to have on uh, as a guest, um, uh, from um 
uh, from Wife So Blue and from um, uh, not watching. <laughs> I get both of your uh, things wrong, and I'll say why in a, in, a, in a little bit. But also the recently Twitter verified Aaron Newer. <laughs> You thought I you thought I wasn't going to mention the Twitter verification. I should add recently verified as my like name on Twitter. That's, that's Man, I wish I'd uh, I wish I'd worn a fucking tie <laughs> if I'd uh, known that it, we were going to have a celebrity in our midst. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's so, it's such a weird like ranking to have in like life or whatever you want to call it. Okay, so it's the Out Now podcast, and I always get it wrong, and I'll tell you why. Mm-hmm. Because I grew up going to a record store called Now Playing. Mm. And I always want to say Now Playing. Just like I always want to say Am I Blue, like the Billie Holiday song, instead of Mm. Why So Blue. So I've got these music-related blocks for the names of your outlets. So I I always forget Out Now. Not Now Playing. Not Now Watching. Out Now. Out Now Podcast and Why So Blue. And we live entertainment. entertainment. Yeah, Yeah, sorry. But you you've been a regular guest in the show since before sure. you were involved mm-hmm. with uh, the We Live Entertainment uh, syndicate, the concern of We Live Entertainment. You're not uh, wrong. Yeah, I, sh- I should I-, I should mention them. I, I do like that. Yeah, I mean, here we have so much to cover, and I'm like, I need to go on this tangent. I, I, we the the now playing I, that feels that feels like a great spinoff title for the podcast because like out now with Aaron and Abe, it, it there are ways to read that that I've heard over the years. Uh, but now like now playing also sounds like it's like, are we, is it like a game podcast? Like, I, like, <laughs> yeah. like and I totally be in for it. I love playing games. Like, yes, I'd be down for that too, but no, happy to be back here. Thank you for inviting me on to use Alex Billington as a springboard for a conversation. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good, it's a good podcast name out now because so often when I've been on, uh, I just think, you know what guys I'm out now. Uh, I can't, <laughs> I can't do this again. <laughs> Yeah, that's why we only invite you every six months. <laughs> we, we have you in yeah. stages. Have I been on with Alex? I feel like I, I feel like I've been on with Alex. I know David has. Uh, I have a, okay. a, a couple of times because we've done Three Sundance. Times. We've done uh, Sundance specials with two Sundances, and we talked Black Klansman. With Black Klansman, yes. Yeah. Okay, uh, Tyler. I don't believe you. Now, granted, it's you guys have done your show, your show longer than my show, but doing ten years of podcasts, you get a little hazy. Yes, <laughs> yes <laughs> but yes, I'm true. pretty good at knowing a lot of this, and I don't. <laughs> I don't think you've been on with Alex, but okay. I, I wouldn't deny that's impossible either. So. Uh, I knew there was someone I was on with someone and I hated every moment of it. I think it was Abe. I think it was Abe. That was yeah. Can you remove him from the show? Because he's really weighing you down. Uh, Some clever edits. That's for sure. But uh, but, uh, to uh, employ what we in the podcast business call a segue. um, Speaking of Sundance, Mm -hmm. one of the reasons I wanted to talk uh, to you about this is that this is the first year that you and I have talked Sundance <laughs> yeah. because you covered Sundance. Um, you've, uh, you, I haven't been able to spend time with you in park city, but we saw the same movies or some of the same movies mm-hmm. um, this year at Sundance. So I started, I, I, I guess I'd, I wanted to start by asking you what, what was that experience like covering uh your first Sundance being a remote Sundance. You know, I, I, I wish I had some like elaborate way to like say this uh, as far as like having some strong memories about like the good times I had being able to see Sundance movies. Uh, but, you know, between this and, you know, the previous virtual film festivals that I've been able to, you know, attend to some capacity being like TIFF and New York Film Fest and what AFI or whatever, it's all, you know, I'm sitting in my room watching movies for the first time. There's a, there's a, you know, there's a, there's a factor there that's unique as far as cool. I'm seeing movies that would normally be reserved for, you know, a space in Utah that people would get excited about for whatever reason um, and be able to talk about and discuss or what have you. At the same time, it's, you know, I'm sitting in my room watching movies. Like it's, <laughs> there's, right. I, I I certainly, you know, I, I see the benefit. I'm happy for it. I'm happy to have a chance to do something different in that realm. But I, I can't I, I can only say so much as far as like what I 
what, what I truly appreciate about having this this opportunity because it doesn't amount to much beyond I just got to see this stuff before I would have seen it later on. Like Summer of Soul, for example, just came out in theaters right. and it's on Hulu. It's one of my favorite movies. I mean, if, whatever. I, the Oscars don't run my life, but if you don't count Judas and the Black Messiah, it's my favorite movie of the year right now, Summer of Soul. Uh, so like having been able to see it in January and like been high on it since then, and now it's coming out again and I have seen it again since it's like, yeah, it's really cool that I was able to see this early on and like get out whatever early word and, you know, be a factor in that kind of, you know, pre-release hype or whatever you want to call it. At the same time, it's like, well, no one else I had to see this. It's not like I got to see it like in, you know, in the room with a bunch of other film critics and whatever producers or what have you. And like Questlove doing a live Q&A or something. It's just like I watched it in my room. So it's like, I, I'm trying not to like diminish it, but at the same time, it's like, there's nothing that, that there's... Yeah, there's a missing special quality to it because ultimately I didn't go anywhere. I just plugged in my computer. But I, I, I think um, I, I I look forward to going back to to, to Park City and going back to Toronto. Uh-huh. Um, but I don't want that this level of uh, access to go away because I think having mm-hmm. more more people being able to cover these films um is is good and also i just think in mercenary like website running terms it's good to have a review on rotten tomatoes of a movie like months before it comes out because then when like in a few months when the trailer like or or you know a few months ago when the trailer for zola dropped suddenly battleship retention got a bunch more hits because i'm like one of the early solo reviews like that's a that's a good thing for uh i can see yeah as far as uh, for that for that element for sure i get that i mean uh, you know that's a that's a part of everything you're building something from there and it can you know it helps i i I see that completely i think you know i wonder if part of this is because you go to more film festivals than like i do and even when i go it's not like i go out of state and i don't tend to like pay for a hotel the only festivals i go to there's one locally by me i'm in orange county so i go to the newport beach film festival where i met my lovely girlfriend and i go up to like afi fest which is in la so i just mm-hmm. drive up there and then drive back home again so it's whereas i haven't done the full on you know let me fly out get a hotel stay for a week and you yeah. know just do nothing but this so i, I wonder if you know, the fact that it's not changing up my routine very much plays a role in how much I appreciate, you know, the, the physical act of doing a virtual festival. Do you think like, do you see yourself attempting to go to Sundance or Toronto or, or South by or any like other uh, New York? If we we take, if we take out the, you know, the, the kind of the factors that would prevent this and far as far as you know covid and what have you if we just if we're just right, saying yeah, like yeah. say say everything's perfect again and then there's no reason i couldn't do it beyond time or whatever i i have nothing against doing that it's a matter of if i was going to do that i want I'd, I'd want anna and i my girlfriend and i to be able to like make this plan set out to have the time and do it like yeah i'd be i'd be happy to, to be it'd be great to go to like utah for the first time and like see what that experience is even if i didn't like it i wouldn't expect not to like it i'm not a big snow guy but i think i can manage at least once um <laughs> I, it'd be nice to have that experience to like you know to do that that'd be something that's you know interesting to me um would i would i want to balance that with like virtual versions of it sure like it's you know that that is convenient for a variety of reasons but i'm not against the idea of going you know, going to a festival either. Um, uh, this is turning into just like an, an, an interview, I, I know. I forget, <laughs> but I, um, yeah, I forget sometimes that you're like a, you're a SoCal guy, like, you know, that's, that's who you are. Like, so you're one of those SoCal people who just can't even imagine living in, in the cold. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it wouldn't be my first choice as far as taking steps away. And it, I mean, yeah, it's like, I live here because I, well, I, I do like the climate and also it's, yeah. you know, given what I've found myself doing so much, I'm near LA. Like I can do, there's yeah. a lot of things you can do because you're by LA when it comes to film. So. Well, going to park city in January is kind of like going up to big bear for the weekend uh-huh. in the winter in that it's fun because you know, at the end of it, you get to go back to the sun. Um, uh, Tyler's not chiming in here. He's uh he's a very, He's a very pro cold Southern Californian. 
Very much so. I was actually what you were just saying, because I'm staying uh, right now. I'm, I'm in uh, my home, hometown of Taft, California. It's hot in California in general right now, but this is the middle of the desert. It's particularly hot here. Um, and uh, but one thing that I frequently think is like if I go out to uh, go, you know, pick up some food or something like that, it's hot outside. My car is hot. And I think. <laughs> I think, well, this is okay because soon I'll be back in air conditioning. And it'll be fine. Uh, and everything will be back where, how it's supposed to be, which is me inside. Um, so yes, I'm very in favor of the cold. Um, well, then you, I mean, you got to get yourself to park city one of these years. Um, anyway, uh, I would, I would love to, it's, it looks wonderful for it. Yeah. Um, but this is turning into what I don't want it to be, which is me uh, talking about how great it is to go to film festivals. Because I, what I want to talk about... We're, we're laying is, foundation. We're, that's all we're doing here. It's okay. We've got to lay the mortar. Because what I, what, I, what I want to talk about is to push back against this, uh, the, the sentiment that um, our mutual friend <laughs> tweeted from Cannes, um, which is that I, all, all things considered, it is... A, it is a net positive i think that there are things like remote coverage or the thing that he was specifically talking about which is like pre-festival screenings i know i've only been to two torontos but i've been like every year getting to cover a couple of toronto releases because i get to because they do pre-festival screenings in um in in la so i like i think the first time i remember remember seeing um uh, Amore, Michael, Michael Haneke's Amore in like August of 2012. And it, it didn't come out. It didn't actually come out till Christmas time. You knew all the um, jokes ahead of time then. I knew all the jokes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I like, so I, I don't, maybe it's because I did that for over half a decade before I started going to Toronto. I'm very sympathetic to the people who are only covering Toronto films that are, that are playing pre-festival uh screenings i don't know if there were any uh i'm not sure where the pre-festival screenings for Cannes were i don't know if there was a uh french dispatch screening in la that i didn't get invited to um, I, just, I assume it was all virtual that might be all uh, my guess well yeah that's probably true um but um i'm as much as i look forward to getting back to going to to, to festivals i already said this uh, i i think it's a net positive do you guys agree that it's a positive Officially, yes, um, but I mean, not even not even unofficially. Uh, I would say uh, I think it's I think it's a yes all around. Um, I will say that I, I I see where Alex is coming from. I do aside from the International Christian Film Festival, which I don't go to actually see the movies. Uh, and on those occasions when I have, I've regretted it. Uh, You're also staunchly against that being virtual ever, right? It's it's Christians in in Florida or nothing. That's, exa that's, exactly. That's the, shirt, yes. that's the shirt you wear when you get there. Uh, yeah, they they <laughs> hand it to you uh, when as part of the festival. Um, but I do have experience with Comic Con, which which is of course a different thing, mm -hmm. but. You know, it was virtual. It's been virtual. And last, you know, last year, we, uh, David, you, uh, Kyle, and myself, uh, we all covered some of the panels that were happening uh, virtually. And they were interesting, but I think it does. I, I, I get where Alex is coming from as far as the experience of a festival. And it's actually more than just the movies. It is also getting to hang out with people and talk about the movies you've seen and just about the, the atmosphere in general. So I see where he's coming from as far as, as that goes and really treasuring that. Um, but when you start to get, when it goes from being descriptive to prescriptive, I think that's when it becomes a problem and say like, well, you haven't had the festival experience uh, unless you've done this, which may be true as far as what festivals have been, but I think increasingly festivals are going to be more digital and it is going to be about just seeing as many movies as you can. Uh, and, and again, celebrating them since that's what a festival is, is a celebration. So I do think that I, uh, Again, I see where he's coming from, but I do think that there is sort of an, an implied gatekeeperism there that I think is not uh, helpful as far as the conversation. Well, I do like that, again, as the Christian of the podcast, you're being charitable. 
Uh, I think <laughs> um, because, but I will, I, I will admit that um, I also, there's a part of me that also sees where Alex is coming from. And it's the part of me that I don't like, which is the part of me that likes the exclusivity that likes mm. being the guy who sees movies. You know, my, my wife finds it so annoying, but like I get as a critic, I get to see movies early as a, I, I can't go into any specifics, but as a part of my job, I sometimes get to see movies way early. So sometimes they're like, there are movies that I've seen a, a long, long time before they, they, um, they, they come out. And my wife is like, you can't talk about this to anyone. This doesn't get you anything. Having seen it early, why do you like it? And it's just like, I don't like it about myself, but I like knowing that I've seen it. <laughs> um, and I feel like, I, so maybe I'm, being harder on Alex's tweet because I see some of my own worst impulses in, in that, that mindset, that wanting to hold on to that exclusivity. If, um, if Tyler's being charitable, I'm going to withhold all my Sadaka because I think it's entirely gatekeepery and does speak to a lot of privilege. Um, I have, I have nothing against Alex. He, he is a, he is a friend of mine. I talked to him plenty. He's been on the podcast a lot and to his credit, he has climbed Everest. So even if he wants to hold that as a weird comparison point, he has some weird experience that I just don't think he's like looking, you know, a, across to everybody else as, as like knowing what it means. To he's like literally that. summited yeah, Everest. He has. I, I did not know that. <laughs> yeah. I look, I looked at a photo of Everest. So I feel like I get it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's basically like, it's like smelling the Mona Lisa. I saw um, the Balthazar Comerker movie Everest. Yeah. Uh, um, I, I'm glad that you had that director's she, name she just handy to use. <laughs> That's a bit of an achievement, yes. Because yes. yeah. uh, it's like, I know who that director is. I don't know if I could say his whole name right off the top of my head like that. Um, I, I guess when you ask, like, when it's it's a net, if it's a net positive, my, my thought is, well, who is it negative for? Like, that's where my mind goes right there. Because when I when I think about it that way, it's like, no one except people that want others to not do the thing that they're doing. Like, that's how it feels to me. Uh, I'm not saying that's necessarily entirely true, but I do think that does play a factor in it, where something like the Cannes Film Festival, the most prestigious of festivals, you know, there's this idea that because we're here, we, we are in a position of power. Where we're seeing some of the top filmmakers of the world or new ones that have just been considered for this great film festival to only be here in this place and see these things and stand up and applaud or boo or whatever we do. But we're the ones that get to do that. And nobody else should be able to do that. That's what I'm hearing when I, when I read Alex's tweet and part of that, like I understand like you get to a certain position as a, as a film critic that you can apply and get a pass and be able to go there at the same time. It's like, beyond expenditure and having the time to be able to do that and things like that. Frank, there are a lot of people that just don't have that opportunity to like ever based off of a variety of reasons. Most of some of which to disa like disabled people, you know, people that are handicapped, like there's people that just cannot function that way. that cannot make that kind of flight or find themselves being able to sit in, you know, 40 movies in a week comfortably yeah. without having to deal with like there's so or many... again to mention park park city just get around park city when just there's get, yeah, snow and ice around. on the ground yeah is... yeah obviously not, not only to can but yeah other festivals that just like are geographically impossible for various reasons there's a lot of that where i just think well what who's being harmed by the idea of watching a film separately in this scenario and i don't see the reasons there that extend anywhere beyond because I feel like I deserve it and others haven't worked that hard to get there or it doesn't didn't do the thing that they needed to, to get to the, where I am. And it's like, I, I can't go along with that. <laughs> I can't, I can't go along with the feeling that like, I, you know, you'd say I'm at Cannes, like I call it the James Conn film festival. So I'm really trying, I'm trying hard <laughs> not, to, not, to, not to say can any other way than can right now. <laughs> but it's, if I'm there, my, my my mind shouldn't be like i'm here therefore someone else shouldn't be because i like earned my spot there and the idea of pre-screening films is like well for one thing that just makes sense to me as far as you know it's not about like one showing of a movie when it comes to a studio and the people involved they ideally want to get the word out on their movie they want people to see it yes it's great to have this like exclusive you know premiere screening of that thing 
but you still want to be able if i mean from a business sense the goal is to build awareness of the thing and if there's other people that are you know that have a certain level of esteem or just are movie critics to begin with and like ha- are in the a position where they write something it gets published and it's spread around I don't see the purpose of stopping them based off of whatever circumstance held them up from being able to go to this place yeah. to see it specifically there. Well, the great uh, another great thing about pre pre festival screenings uh, is the, I think it's great for someone even if they are attending the festival is that maybe there's a movie you kind of want to see, but at the festival it's playing against you know movies that you either uh-huh. want to see more or that like for coverage purposes you have to see. If it's also playing, the timing just doesn't work. Right? Yeah, <laughs> like, if it's also it playing is, at yeah. like at like you know one p.m. on a Tuesday, mm-hmm. uh, the week before the festival, against nothing. Yeah, maybe you. That's another movie you get to get to cover. Um, but yeah, yeah. To to address what you were saying about the the like, you talk about gatekeeperism. I think of it as like, um, uh, I, I'm not sure. Like pulling up the ladder behind you, or this the sense that uh, and this is something I hate about like. How you know, I used to be a production assistant, and like the, that sort of Hollywood thing is that like everyone thinks that being at the lowest level of the entertainment industry has to be hellish and dehumanizing because that's what they went through and they they paid their dues, and so it would somehow be unfair if someone didn't have a miserable fucking few years at the bottom on the bottom rung and i hate that way of thinking i hate that way of thinking like because things were hard for me they should be hard for other people i i i I really uh despise that um i i would add i can't you know speak to like how people are selected to get to you know be critics or whatnot i mean i assume it comes down to a level of clout I mean, as far as, you know, working for, you know, certain outlets that obviously have a higher reach or what have you, I, I can't fill, I can't filter this through this without giving it more thought or like research or what have you. But I mean, you're, you're both very aware. The, the critical realm is a very white male place, right? <laughs> like it's, it's a pretty dominant area. Okay. Um, <laughs> Wait, what point do you make? <laughs> I again I can't speak to I like I mean it works great for me. <laughs> I can't I can't speak to you know which critics are attending every single thing. But at the same time, I mean I see the reviews that come out of these festivals, like I and I'm familiar with a good number of at least these, you know, top critics or what have you. You know, it's you may, you start to wonder at times. It's like, well, who who are the ones that really deserve to be here at this point, and how do we how does that get changed up in some capacity? Uh, and, yeah, I mean, you make a, a a great point that leads to a a different sort of set, a series of tweets about a film festival and why that went viral a while back. While back, which was um, some of the first reactions to Zola um, mm-hmm. from from Sundance twenty twenty in uh, uh, certain. Uh, a couple of critics um who were like uh you uh very astutely pointed out uh white credit critics were raving about zola in a way that they were using using language that um they either didn't fully understand the was some the connotations or the the uh the uh, repercussions of certain like words i don't really want to uh, uh, I hear you. I go to but yeah. I, I don't know if you saw these tweets, but um, because it was just a year and a half. If ago. I did, I can't um, remember it. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, a year and a half ago is like twenty years based off of what's happened in this past year. So. Yeah, but but I do think that kind of speaks to your 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 point of um, um, movie or, or or you know if the the only people who get to react to a movie for in the case of Zola a year and a half uh, in in most cases um, months they it's a small group of critics setting the tone sure the conversation if being Mm -hmm. if being a film critic is as i think i've said on the podcast and tyler i think tyler tends to agree our biggest sort of role is to contribute to the conversation about a movie and movies in, in in general i don't that's more important than the like consumer advocate like go see this movie don't go see this movie like that that's less important to me than to me uh maybe championing the movie or may or 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 helping to um 
helping people to think about a movie in a different way and that's not me being like highfalutin i also use other critics to help me think about movies in a different way for sure and and so yeah there's a there are repercussions to fewer people being able to um react to movies at a festival because it narrows the conversation in some cases like i said months before the movie has even come out yeah i i hear i know exactly what you mean when you say that because it's it's a matter of when you have a and this doesn't necessarily apply to the the class of critics that i described although again it does make up the majority but it is yeah when you have certain movies that can be championed for a variety of reasons and it only comes down to like you know we all like this thing because of this you know reason a when if you had a more diverse crowd of people involved in watching this and reacting to it you could have a variety you know whether or not they're positive or negative you could have a variety of different takes on what it is that's making this thing you know what's giving it buzz whether it's positive or negative buzz same thing happened with like promising young woman last year right that was another big one where i heard a lot of the same like and that's a movie i know you guys are not huge on i think it's that's an I, I, I know <laughs> i i i enjoy it well enough i didn't i would it was like the the least of my of the best picture nominees or what have you but like i i thought i thought it's fine regardless when that was coming out of sundance i was hearing a lot of specific things as far as what it is that is being praised for and it's a you know about being this kind of incendiary thing that's really going to put you know people on blast or what have you and i watched the movie and it's like that's not really my take like there's a, there's things i like about it but it's not like it doesn't feel like it was the you know the the, the coming of something that really changed how we were going to think about how you know people behave in society or whatnot it's like well, I mean, it's just like a stylish little revenge kind of thing like whatever but like if we had a if there was a a wider output of critics and that's not to say that there wasn't like there's last year sundance happened and there's again there's a certain demographic that certainly is the majority but there's you know sundance has a variety of critics i'm aware but even then it still feels like there is a pretty specific kind of through line of what it is that we're praising about this and why it stands out where that's, that's a very interesting, sorry, I cut you off. You I was just going to say, if you have it to bring it to this conversation, if you have it, having pre-release screenings or what have you, where people from around the country, around the world are able to see something. Suddenly you have a, you know, a, a wider net of voices that can all weigh in on something and have this, you know, a different kind of you know, a take that isn't you know this one specific thing but a variety of takes that maybe catch fire for whatever the movie is um i like that example because that was it's a it's a you're talking about a different thing than i think what i was my example would be something like green book like would green book have one best picture if there had been more people critics of color reviewing it at at tiff or was it, you know, the fact that it was like an, an award winner at, at, at TIFF and everyone uh, loved it, the, the conversation was already solidified. So I'm talking about that sort of thing. But I, I like what you're talking about, which is also a narrow, um, uh, and I feel like I can say this as a liberal myself, but uh, a lot of the Sundance critics are self-congratulatory liberals and are um, uh, uh, filtering something like Promising Young Woman through their like their their approval of promising young woman is proof of their wokeness or, or whatever and I, beyond, um, I, mean, I think we're saying the I, same I hate thing. that too i think we're saying yeah, i'm saying they're I, both true they're I, I, these are I both think, different examples of how sure. th- a narrow audience hurts the conversation yes okay that that's fair because i think we're saying the same thing slightly differently because we're using different examples i can't remember what you know these zola specific tweets were at the time but i imagine that they're you know if you have a certain crowd representing a certain thing about a movie that i'd imagine you know given who's involved in the subject matter i haven't seen it um I imagine there's a lot of different ways to read that as far as like what it is that you're getting out of this and the kind of things you can praise from it or what have you versus just saying, you know, specific things that reflect like an attitude of a character or something and why that's good. Uh, um, I did, okay. I did have a, a, a thought and this is something that where I, I need to ask you guys this because I actually don't know. Um, <clears throat> so when talking about pre-screenings, Uh, in other I, cities, these Tyler, are, I can't tell when you're pausing me? for effect because I, because your camera's off. I can't tell when you're pausing for effect or if you've frozen yeah. up. Yeah, it's uh, the internet connection. Like suddenly uh, was difficult. I literally got kicked off of Zoom a moment ago and didn't hear what you guys were saying. Uh, and then oh, uh, I'm you're, back. You're, and so you're glad. You should be lucky. 
You're lucky. You should be glad. I, I got there. We go. <laughs> I should be lucky. I agree with you. Um, but uh, but no. I, when talking oh, about um, pre screenings, like these are theatrical screenings in other cities. Yes. I mean, yeah. It's like screening rooms. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you're screening um, the DCP or whatever. Got it. Okay. It's, it's like it's the act of watching the movie before it's had its premiere. I think that's what it comes down to. Okay. Regardless of it's a DCP, a screening, of you know, screener, what have you. Okay. But I think, um, but I think Tyler, if I'm, unless I'm misunderstanding, you're talking about pre-screenings to differentiate between uh, something different than virtual uh, viewing, right? Yes. Is that uh, yeah, okay? Yes. So, I, so yes. that's what you were. You were. Jesus, I almost knocked this plant over. Um, <laughs> Great physical comedy bit for the podcast, dude. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, to reiterate, Tyler is talking about uh, pre-festival screenings as something that happens in a screening room. That's fair. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've done, I've done uh, some of those. Yeah. Because uh, I did for the... I, I don't know if this is playing devil's advocate or not, but I did want to try and look at things from a different perspective, which is... Uh, because Aaron, you were asking like, who does it hurt? Um, and I did have the thought from a purely from a virtual screening standpoint, uh, the filmmakers, um, which is to say, if you made a film to be seen in the theater, ideally, uh, and obviously if there's a film festival, chances are the, the sound is real. And, and it's, it's the best possible quality you can get as far as your film being shown the first time. Um, and then it's, and then someone says, well, yeah, but we can also, we're also going to make it so people can uh, watch it on their phone. Um, uh, listen with their, uh, with their poor quality, non tweaked headphones. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, that, that could be, that could be a little rough. You know, if you, if you're a filmmaker and your film has been accepted to a festival. Um, can I, can I interject for a second? Okay. Um, I, it's impossible to get this answer necessarily because we don't have like Alex here specifically. But when he made those tweets, do you think he's speaking specifically to this year where things are affected by the fact that we have a pandemic that's made the festivals different? Or do you think he'd tweet this regardless in any year where pre-screenings just exist? I mean, I felt like he, this was this, nothing about his tweet was about the pandemic year or pandemic life. That's so not like, how, that's not how I interpreted it. So it's just the idea of pre-screenings existing. He may have tweeted it. Be <coughs> yeah. He may but have you, done it but you as, see what I'm asking. as a function. Yeah, yeah. He may, is, he may have done it as a function of uh, COVID and stuff. But I think the pr what he is saying in the principle is something that he very well could have said and pr he probably believes no matter what. Fair enough. So in my thought on that... I mean, if we're talking just about, you know, who is this hurting in, in my thoughts in regard to the, you know, this initial tweet and this conversation, uh, if it's a if it's a pre-screening specifically where it's at a, you know, a, a, a theatrical showing of some kind, a screening room or what have you, I, I still don't think we're hurting anybody because you're still getting no. a theatrical experience. If you're speaking to screeners, which I think in this scenario, because we have the pandemic, that is that is an actual option mm -hmm. where it just frankly wouldn't be beforehand, if I'm not mistaken, mm -hmm. like maybe some circumstances aside i i uh, do think certain like it for for festivals certain like lower profile movies would offer you yeah i'd uh, imagine that's uh, not offer offer screener links that's not surprising yeah. i yeah. can't you know obviously i can't speak for every single critic that's you know participating in something like this but i'd like to think that if somebody is doing a pre-festival screening for a movie that they clearly want to see for some reason and they're a, a critic that has the, you know, has, has a, a, afforded themselves the esteem to be able to receive said, you know, said screener. They're not doing it on their phone or they're not doing it oh, on sure. their Apple Watch. They're, they're setting themselves up in an ideal situation, or at least the most ideal situation that's afforded to them to legitimately watch the film and take in as the best they can. I'm not saying that's perfect. I'm not saying that it's going to produce the exact scenario that a filmmaker would have liked. But I mean... I mean, I think this speaks to your David, your some of your philosophies on this in general, as far as how we view movies and how what we hold sacred as far as the theatrical experience versus seeing something at home or even if it's an imperfect theatrical experience. The way you see the movie is the way you see the movie. I mean, we've all grown up not having seen 
fucking Citizen Kane for the first time in a movie theater. We've saw it probably on a, if not a VHS tape, but on like some crappier TV than the ones we all probably have now. I mean, does that hold? And I know I'm using the example, but there's plenty of other movies that are classics. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's plenty of movies that I absolutely love that have been regarded as classic for years that I've never seen on a big screen that hasn't taken away from the fact that I appreciate so many things about them from any number of standpoints as film, from a filmmaking sense. Now, yes, first impressions mean a lot, especially to newer filmmakers or ones that are trying to premiere something and have a certain kind of experience. I get that. But there's so there's too many variables to like make every for every experience perfection. Uh, right. to make that a, make that enough of a factor in my mind to cancel out, you know, what what Alex is trying to or, well, or this consider is, what Alex is trying to say. This has been the perfect segue into the next thing I wanted to talk about, which is so much of what we've been talking about is like gatekeeperism on the part of like the the critic and the critic's responsibility and the critic's like openness to other uh, uh, other critics. You could have a thing, you know, post pandemic, you know, in some sort of future where we're back to normal or whatever that uh, will, will will be where maybe some filmmakers or studios are saying it's, it's a hybrid, you know, like some, some films might only be in person and some might uh, be, be screeners. Um, to what extent now that the technology we've seen that the technology works, that we can do these virtual uh, uh, screenings screeners to, um, to take the onus off the critics and onto the festivals themselves, what responsibility do festivals have to offer screeners now? You, you know, we we're, we're all, you know, everyone's dogpiling on Alex for being gatekeepery, but at what point does the ire turn toward can itself for not having uh, virtual screenings that are available to, to any approved uh, member of the press from across the, the, the world. Do you think that's the next step of this conversation? For Cannes specifically, or just like festivals? No, for for festivals in, in okay. just festivals in, in in general, is it going to be seen as as um, elitist of the festival if they don't offer screeners? I don't think I don't think elitist would be the proper word for that. Um, it's it, I don't know what the word would be. It'd be you know, it's just, we're just going back to how things were. But I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily want that to be the case. I wouldn't fault them for doing that because last year and this this year are it's a unique scenario that we're in right where it's make it's the logic is we're making the best with what we can do right that's that's what it's led to now you have to think would would we have gotten there would we have gotten there eventually anyway would this have did we just speed up the process of like having this as a factor i don't know i kind of think that might have been the case but is it elitist to take that away and go back to just having it specifically focused on you know, we're in a place, this is where you go to see our thing. I get why that makes a level of sense. I mean, you can't, I don't know, you, you go to you go to Disneyland. You can't just do it at home. Like, that's not the same thing. That's not a great comparison. But I mean, yeah, because I, what I'm saying is <laughs> yeah. what we've learned from the past year and a half is you can do this at home. Uh-huh. And I, if it for what, whether or not that's the right way to go, I can't speak to that. But as far as what I see as a result of that, I think it's something that, you know, it makes fest it makes festivals ambitious in their own way as far as now that we have this virtual confront thing, it doesn't seem like anything's being harmed as far as the attendance of these festivals by having both the at home experience as well as the, you know, go there in person thing. Doesn't like, I don't I haven't heard anything about can, you know, having like a disastrous turnout because of whatever or you know, any number of festivals right. that have live, you know in-person festivals in addition to having granted there haven't been we're getting back to that now there have been like a number a lot of festivals that have actually happened at this like venice right venice was like the one that did it in right. uh, in person that's, yeah that's right and even then they were still spaced out at the time or what regardless the ambition i see from doing it you know continuing to have a virtual festival for one thing i i feel like that's an interesting way to manage your budgets for these kind of festivals if you have less screens maybe and you can have this virtual component that presumably costs less to some degree but also we've been doing festivals i want to say for you know at least 60 70 years right like film festivals in general i don't think it hurts to like mix up how we're doing these things <laughs> i feel like that you know change change can be welcome in a number of ways i get that maybe filmmakers don't you know filmmakers that want to see their stuff on the screen which would still happen in the scenario right 
it might not be as Howard you were pointing out might not be the most ideal thing for them but at the same time if we're looking for ways to kind of i don't know spice up the cinema sphere in a realm where movies are quote-unquote becoming less important when you have all these other forms of media and social networking or what social media and what have you that divide up your attention and divide up your ability to use time if there's new ways to approach a film festival i i could see that as a springboard for like being able to do more adapt in a way that might be beneficial. yeah I, I, I like that you think of it as more not taking away because it is funny to imagine that like let's say next year everything's you know the pandemics in the rear view or whatever mm-hmm. it's not gonna happen whatever um it'd be funny if like they had a South by Southwest and no one showed up because everyone was just like, I'll do it from home. Like that's not going to happen. They stream Coachella every year. Yeah. Coachella yeah. still sells out. Uh, you know, exactly. I think, that's what I'm saying. There's a ton yeah. of things that like stream as well as have a, you know, for a live component that have been fine with the, this you know, duality, whatever you want to call it. Like it's, it hasn't, it doesn't seem like it's stopped things from happening. It just feels like it's a way to enhance the presence of oh, enhance the awareness if anything. I think there's actually multiple levels to this Um, because, you know, David, you were talking about like, obviously like a critic's job is to, well, sorry, I say, obviously to us, it's obvious that the critic's job is to be part of the conversation and to further the conversation. Um, I agree with that. But then you also acknowledge that, Hey, there limited, uh, (laughs) limited attendance at a, at a film festival can help the critics uh, uh visibility because not because you, you know we got a lot of hits because not as many people saw zola at sundance you know i i but i i don't think that um uh, i don't uh, think that on. i don't think that sorry i'll, I'll, I'll let you finish um it's hard to interrupt you when i can't see you and you keep freezing i know i'm sorry um, <laughs> you should make it easier to interrupt you um <laughs> Uh, but that, that holds true for, for virtual festivals too. I just, I think for some reason I like, I picked Zola cause it was like a recent release, but something like, I don't know, John in the hole, like, mm-hmm. um, uh, so I'm just trying to think of movies from this year's festival that are coming Coda. out, uh, Coda. Yeah. Um, there's something else that, uh, I saw at the festival this year that just got a John's back in the hole, uh, a surprise sequel, uh, Misha and the wolves just got like a release, ah, yeah. uh, like a, netflix release or whatever and we'll probably get a f- few more hits uh because of that too so it's not just the in-person thing that gets us more right hits. well okay. Tyler, okay. Tyler, Tyler, you're speaking to, you know the idea of like individual critics like because they were the you know some of the few they get more notoriety the problem i have there again goes to well who are these critics it's the same damn ones like it's not like we're mixing it up and having like you know people from whatever arizona and kansas or whatever like suddenly like getting a lot more you know acclaim because they were some of the few that got there it's you know the guy from variety the guy from entertainment like oh, it's the same like people that yeah no it's get that esteem yeah i mean it's not good for the conversation but for the individual critic it's like no it's still good for them uh it just like with, with a film festival you know if they if they do embrace virtual maybe in their mind like well maybe we're we're not quite as exclusive we're not quite the destination television that uh that we want that we once were and i think it's actually and whereas where if if a film festival was actually if it was committed to the larger conversation then yes by all means let any people see it as possible as many voices contributing as possible but I, that's what i mean when i say there are two levels and i'm not saying that and i'm saying the conversation is obviously what we what we should be aspiring to to contribute to but i think that obviously as long as there are um critics who need who need hits and there are festivals that need attendance uh it's going to be i think very um i think people are going to be reluctant to embrace this kind of democratization um, and I think it's also too early to tell how big of a role yeah, things are going to play that's the, that's the biggest because, because that's the other, like, I, I don't know what the, what the box office of black widow would have been if it was only in the theater, but Disney plus is also offering it on their streaming service, admittedly for pay. But, uh, like we, it's, it's so, all of this is so new that it's hard to objectively say this the virtual now 
in my in my mind, it doesn't necessarily matter what that impact might be uh, if it's like a negative impact, because I think it is a net positive because it is contributing more to the conversation. But I think it's it'll be very interesting to see uh, in like 10 years what all of this is going to look like that because I, of mm-hmm. bringing more voices in and, and letting people see in, in different ways. That's entirely true because we're su- we're in such a, you know, a test uh, you know, portion of all of this as far as like what the future beholds. And I mean, I, I don't want to get too far in the blockbuster conversation because that's a different conversation, but I mean, <laughs> when it comes to something like that, yeah, that's, that's something where I did think, and I know many box office pundits or what have you had the same line of thinking as far as it was inevitable that this was going to be a case anyway, where we we'll be going this having this kind of direct to streaming route, simultaneous release or what have you. That's something that I easily would have seen coming in the future. It just got sped up because of the place that, you know, the unforeseen circumstance that we're in right now, as far as film festival stuff goes to get back to this. The thing is like, I, you just mentioned with like Coachella being live and being sold out all the time. I don't see the attendance factor dropping. Now that could be, I could be wildly off. I don't think I am, but like we'll, we'll find out in the coming years as far as what Mm -hmm. this has been like, but I just don't, I, I don't think that, People from film critics and people that go to film festivals who are presumably film lovers, they not, it's not only that they're doing a job, but that they love doing the thing that they're doing. That's the optimist in me. They want to be a part of that experience. And with that experience mm-hmm. comes the excitement of being in the room, experiencing the exact thing for that first time, being there with the filmmakers, having conversations with the filmmakers. Something about Telluride that I've very much seen over the years a place i haven't been to but i've just seen is that it, it feels almost like a camp where you just go in there on this retreat and you're just hanging out with like the people that made movies that you want to see and want to have conversations with them about i don't think that's going to be on this year obviously i don't think that's going to just like suddenly drop because people can watch it at the computer uh it's the same thing with movie theaters like we can always talk about attendance being low or box office numbers being different or what have you it's cycles uh, that experience isn't going to go away all of a sudden. We're not going to lose movie theaters. Like things might be different because of whatever, you know, ABC reason, but things will either bounce back or evolve, but they're not going to go away. I I don't film is such a unique facet for like media consumption, as far as like, you know, how we want to take that in and what that experience is to us where, as a you know, as opposed to like music, where there's you know a variety of different ways you can you know consume that and like different you know you can do it on your way to work, you can do it on the treadmill, you can whatever you it, as long as it's with your tweak audio headphones, obviously, uh, you know that that's <laughs> yeah. that's something you know that's its own thing. Like, but with a movie, like you're sitting down and concentrating on a thing, and people that want to do that thing, they want to you know ideally, I think most people want to be it, and at least a, an area that they can you know have a level of concentration. And film film festivals, people that want to go to that thing, they're gonna they're gonna want to keep going to that thing. Like if they can, yeah. like I don't I don't think that's gonna change too drastically. Do you think? Uh, and again, I actually because of the connectivity issue right now, I feel guilty for talking uh, <laughs> because I'm forcing you guys to have to like work through whatever delays there are. Even though hopefully, uh, apparently, like it's recording all of us and the listener. What's What's funny no is. Lie. This entire preamble, we're going to hear fine. The second you start to get to your point, it's going to be like... (laughs) (laughs) Um, But uh, the thing that that I'm wondering is that, you know, if you're Can or Sundance or whatever it is, do you... Hmm. Do you offer do you offer different tiers of accessibility where certain outlets you say you invite them to the event, but other outlets you say, Oh, here, here's your virtual press pass. That's certainly then a way it's for just them. like, a, it's, it's still a like a, 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 I'm sorry. That, that's, go ahead. that's the, that's the way you would evolve and apply that ambition. Right. You, but it's, I think it's, it, it's, it's a me, it's a me, it's a mean for on a, from a business standpoint, that's entirely a way to take advantage of the situation. Doesn't but I think it it's more likely to happen in the other direction. Hmm. I think they're more likely to say, because the, especially in a, uh, a case like we saw with TIFF last year, uh, um, allowing fewer, fewer press than they would have in their in-person thing to, to keep the film seeming exclusive in its premieres. It doesn't cost them anything to give yeah. the lowest level uh, outlet a press pass. So, 
maybe they say only the right. they say the 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 convenience of being able to watch at home that's only for the higher level there to be there oh interesting that, that seems more likely to me slightly negligible but there is a bandwidth factor if you do have like fifty thousand people all trying to watch one thing off the same stream like there's going to be an issue like I, I i see where that comes from that's that depends on the funding of these festivals right like tiff is one of the bigger ones they probably have the money where they can control how solid the output is for you know a streaming film uh you know smaller festivals might not be as lucky granted we're in a place where now we can be better equipped because we're prepared to do this kind of thing and technology only gets better. Right. So, but I, I, that's definitely devil's advocate. That's me trying to justify <laughs> why people are being snobby about who gets what, but it's, I, I do think that it, it is a factor as far as how many people can watch a certain stream on a given time or whatever. Like I had issues watching movies cause I, cause everybody was trying to watch a movie at the same time. Yeah. I, I, I honestly think like that's something I've noticed, like, or something I noticed when I first started like applying to cover film festivals is that like, it's not actually like, you don't have to be that big an outlet to be mm-hmm. granted access to Sundance or, or, or Toronto. Cause they're basically saying like, we're showing this movie in this room anyway. If you can get yourself here, fine. Yeah. <laughs> like that, It's, it's, it's not that, um, that high a bar in terms of like, qualifying um it's it's a high bar in terms of yeah getting yourself there and finding a place to stay and and stuff like that um but it will come down to like the galas right the big the big things that everyone wants to see or present or thinks they want to see and where that exclusivity lies and i can see that's a big part of why tiff was smaller is because it was mostly that tiff yeah. you know is usually a huge festival that has those kind of galas like studio releases that are already have a release date you know and a distributor and everything but they're just having their premiere there they have that but then there's hundreds of other tiny movies at tiff and tiff this this past year was basically just i mean not entirely but it was like nomadland and joe bell and like stuff that like is being released by... the two best that's what you're saying <laughs> <laughs> but stuff that's being released by like what do you call it like mini majors or like uh yeah and that, but that and that's growing pains that's we're figuring out this festival because this year is fucked and we need to i guess we're doing it virtual how do we do that i don't know we'll just get the big ones like you know year to this year let alone years you know coming i can imagine it'll be bigger because they'll have a better idea of what they need to handle like how to do that how to output it how to yeah, how to how to set up their website any number of things that'll make the process easier and be able to take in more submissions and put out films or what have you uh but like I, what i was what I, I was saying to your point david i do understand the the kind of the downside that goes one way but tyler i i can certainly see that coming from a business standpoint the other way as far as granting certain access to certain tiers for people that, you know, press, we don't really pay, but like people that want to pay for festivals, right. You could very easily monetize that in this very specific way, as far as how to, you know, generate revenue based off of the assumed po- you know, popularity of said films. I mean, that already happens and, anyway, right? Galas yeah. are already expensive when you go to a festival versus other films. And there are already tiers of press passes that like, you know, at, yeah. uh, um, at Sundance, you've got like the, working press where you can only get in on like standby to anything you've got general which was i i get which is like you get a limited number of public screening tickets mm-hmm. and then everything else you have to go to the press and industry industry screenings um and then you've got the people like the big outlets who basically have a pass and they can essentially walk right into and they can't walk right in they still have to get in line but they don't have to have a ticket beyond yeah. their pass to get into any uh public screening so um it wouldn't surprise me if the virtual thing takes on tiers of its own but um uh, we'll see how that works. The way Tyler said, the way I said, who knows? Yeah, guys, did we um, did we cover this? I think we nailed it. I well, think we, could, we put it to bed. We could bag Alex Billington for like ten more minutes if you want. <laughs> like he's tall but fat but skinny. It's all kinds of things. I don't know what's going on. With him. <laughs> well, I mean, I I feel like I'm gonna tweet, I, I'm gonna tweet this episode to him personally by yeah. the way when it comes out. <laughs> Honestly, I like the fact that he climbed Everest is making me like a little bit le- like okay, well he did he did that. <laughs> that's, I'm a little more cautious about uh, uh, about being dismissive. That's uh, that's that's quite a quite a feat. Is he verified on Twitter? Probably. I don't fucking care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know why you don't care? No, I don't, I'm not gonna do that. 
because uh, I don't care either. <laughs> um, uh, but I mean, to, and not to so it's it's building off him, but it speaks to the kinds of things that he tweet or just other people that in general that have a certain kind of attitude when it comes to festival. Like I I don't see that as just to reiterate my point. I guess I don't see that anything more than white privilege when I hear something like that. That's what it just immediately spoke to, as far as someone that's in france seeing festival seeing movies live at a movie screening and being like people that saw this before i did don't deserve to have been able to do that i i can't it, it's hard i can't process the good side of that conversation <laughs> and and i you know i, I messaged him specifically i you know, it's, it's it's less about me saying you're wrong it's more if you have a point there's just there's just feels like there's a way to phrase that that wouldn't have you know, taken off in such a bad foot like it did here. And yes, the Everest thing was a weird way to back that as well. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> well, among the takes that he's had over time <laughs> when it comes to like those things that will get him into like, I don't know, Twitter trouble, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> for people just calling yeah. him out. Yes. Um all right. Well uh like I said, we did it. We put it to bed. Uh mm-hmm. thank you for well, I, mean, I don't. I don't say. Sorry, I don't say that yet. I say, well, first, thank you to Aaron for being here. Thank you for having me. I uh, was happy to, for given that I'm not a guy that does, you know, goes to film festivals, but has certainly experienced a number of virtual film festivals. I am happy to share like what this experience has been like for the past, you know, like six months or whatever. I'm doing this. Um, yeah, I was gonna say. I, I was gonna say I didn't. This wasn't intentional but i didn't cover virtually any festivals that i don't normally go to in person but that wasn't about me saying like no i only want to do you know <laughs> tribeca or whatever or you know if i do it you know the the right way the alex billington way uh, that was just like i just had, didn't have i just didn't have time um uh to to cover much more than that this year it's been a busy uh busy time for me anyway um thank you for joining us you can find us at battleshippretension.com this week check out my reviews of sweat and mandibles um check out uh uh aaron i'm sure you you did you review mandibles somewhere i know you like yes it. i did yes i did is it's that a, a we live entertainment it is a we live entertainment post yes go check out we live entertainment and the out now podcast and uh and, and and all that um uh let's see that's battleshippretension.com you can email me at david at battleshippretension.com email tyler at tyler at battleshippretension.com follow me on twitter at davy pretension also check out my other podcast the one where i met your mother which i uh my wife and i are watching every episode of friends and how i met your mother uh you know uh in comparing interesting this past week we talked about season one episode seven of both episodes which is uh uh which was fun because the season one episode seven of friends is the blackout episode, which I get to spit some trivia about blackout night on NBC's must see TV in uh, <laughs> 1994. Um, How many but, seasons uh, of how many other are there? Are they the same as friends? No, no, we will be doing some friends only episodes. Okay. There are, there are nine episodes of how I met your mother and 10 episodes of sorry, nine seasons of how I met your mother and 10 seasons of friends. It's still pretty uh, close. So yeah. Okay. I get you. Yeah. Um, so that's it. You can check that out. Follow Tyler at Tyler at Battleship Retention. No, follow Tyler at Tyler Pretension. Uh, Tyler, uh, where can people find you? I can't find you right now. Indeed. But, oh, yes. Um, uh, I, you can, uh, let's see. What do you have to plug is I guess what I'm there we go. I was just like, well, you can find me at Battleship Retention. My, um, my, my brain is not working today. <laughs> it's you know what right. it is? You know, right. I, I was going to save this for after we stopped recording. I said the I got the name of Aaron's podcast wrong at the beginning, and I've been in my fucking head about it the entire fucking episode. And I've that's been silently exactly judging you. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what's going on this entire episode. Yeah. David, we have a celebrity on the show, <laughs> and you got the name of his show wrong. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, right now, nothing I can think of except uh, by the time this goes up, my review of Jolt should be. Uh, should be available at battleshippretension.com burning a hole through our website uh, with its corrosiveness <laughs> i'm sure jolts are there <laughs> uh, i've seen jolts it's at the same review as the mandible post that I put up, so. um, uh, jolt is the movie where john travolta voices a dog right that's the yeah, one jolt yeah <laughs> he has a tv show called jolt he's running around it's yeah. sort of like the social network it's about the people who created jolt cola 
<laughs> and the 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 tall twins who created nitro who think he, they, they stole it from them. um <laughs> all right uh uh aaron um i already plugged a couple things from you including the out now podcast god damn it uh, um anything else to plug uh yeah everything i do um as far as uh movie reviews and whatnot ends up on my personal blog thecodezeek.com everything i do ends up over there but i do write for wisely blue mainly criterion blu-ray reviews and i'm on wheel of entertainment for movie reviews i occasionally get some stuff in on variety and i'm on twitter at aaron's ps4 all right well thank you again for joining us aaron thank you for having me thank you at home for listening we'll get you next time bye bye This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet.